0: This episode is sponsored by the Nuisance Committee. Stay tuned after the episode for a special message about the 2016 election. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the SuperTap podcast. I'm Podrick, recording in Vancouver. I'm Ushin, recording from Sarajevo. Cool. Okay.
1: I was out of Sarajevo for the weekend, up in the mountains. Complete, completely offline, for the first time in a very long time. It was kind of surreal, actually, because it was like half an hour taxi ride away from my apartment but it's like the shortest journey that I've ever taken to the middle of nowhere oh nice like it was so remote up there like no wi-fi no cellular connection like nothing just me and some a fire and some books and, and other people also but yeah it was kind of interesting like time like offline just thinking about things and being out in nature and stuff so that was cool what were you thinking about well uh, mostly about how cold I was oh really was it what's it like there um it's like start it like really quickly turned from summer into approaching winter (laughs) um Mm. i guess one of the things i was thinking about was like my phone battery lasted like for 48 hours without charging it because i wasn't using it at all
0: oh right did you have it on airplane mode (laughs) um
1: no I think there was a stage when I put it on airplane mode when I was worried, like there was a point when it was like, okay, I definitely don't have internet. Um, And then we went for like this long walk and like for a second, I got on internet for a second and a message came through from Twitter. And then after that, I was like, okay I'm gonna be like offline mostly so I'm gonna just put it on airplane mode because like I don't want like anything coming in that I'm not even gonna be able to respond to and it's just gonna stress me out or something so it's like fully
0: embraced the offlineness yeah that's cool though that the battery didn't like it used to be if you were in a place with dodgy connection to cell towers the battery would die really fast
1: yeah I wondered if it was like I wondered at one stage had I hit a time limit where it just like gave up or something hmm. there was one point where I needed cellular connection to like make a, a phone call and so like we hiked up to to like the top of this hill that was nearby, we got up there, but f- the phone still wouldn't connect. So I ended up like restarting the phone as a way to like see if that was going to like kick it into action. And once it started back up, it connected to the network.
0: Oh right. Huh.
1: Anyway, I guess that's a long way of saying that it was like a couple of days without using my phone, when like often like so much of like my life revolves around the phone and around apps on my phone and like using them to manage my day to day life. So it was kind of just interesting to like step outside of that, even just for a couple of days, and see what in theory, what life would be like without uh, apps and my phone as the center of everything.
0: Yeah, that's funny. I've had this nagging feeling for a couple of weeks that, like, at some point, not that far in the future, apps are going away. That'll just be in 20 years, we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, I remember apps. God, yeah, I used to make apps. (laughs) You don't mean in the way that, like, I was at the weekend and we're all going to be living in log cabins. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I just mean, like, well, already they're not, like, a cultural phenomenon the way they were initially.
1: Is there an app for that? I think like that marketing was kind of like the peak of that whole phenomenon, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's an app for that.
1: Or there is an app for that. Excuse me. Yeah. It was no question. It was just a statement.
0: Yeah. And now there really is an app for everything that you'd want to do, but turns out, there, turns out that there aren't actually that many different apps I want to have on my phone. <laughs> we, we've said before that part of the reason we made a podcast app was because we wanted to make one of the apps that would get a lot of use hmm. um, and be like, if if you're using Castro, you use it every day or a few times a week versus many apps where it's like you install it, run it once and go, huh, and then it disappears into a holder and you probably never use it again.
1: Yeah, I feel like I used to download like, I don't know, five, 10 apps a week just to try them out and play around and see what the UI was like. And I guess they wouldn't all stick around on my phone, but... There was this feeling, I think, for a few years where it was like month to month, my phone would evolve what apps were on my home screen and what I was using them for. And it's become more static over time where it's like, OK, this is what I use my phone for. I've found the apps that work for me um, and mostly they get to stick around either because they're made by Apple or they're made by big companies or a small selection of successful indies. And it it doesn't change that much anymore.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I if I categorize them a bit, I use like messaging apps, a podcast app, and maybe Twitter and Safari, and then after that, I I think I could delete every other app off my phone that doesn't do one of those things, and it, I wouldn't. I don't think I would miss it. Maps, I think, is the one extra thing there for me. Yeah, but that's so that's part of it. I think is that Apple, like the OS, has taken on more and more of the features. Even like obviously, I use Castro, but like if I didn't, most people probably use the Apple Podcasts app, and that's like built in. So specifically third-party apps, I think there aren't so many of them that I'm that excited about. (laughs) And it's rare enough to even, like, it used to be, you said you would install apps and, like, mess around with their UI. Mm. And I remember doing that too. Even, like, apps that I knew I had no actual use for myself or that I wasn't actually going to end up using long-term, I'd get them just so I could play around with what new ideas they had for how we should interact with these new devices. And now maybe it's it's all just established and people don't, like the the time to like experiment and play around with new ideas like the ideas have kind of just been set now i think
1: one like really the last really exciting like using an app for the first time
0: experience i can
1: think of and you may prove me wrong by citing another example but the one that jumps to mind to me is when i'm not sure if it was tweet, tweetbot 4 or what version it was but it was like the first version basically basically that came out after ios 7 mm-hmm. When Tweetbot had always been like this rich textured UI, like physically mimicking like a robot. And there was all this big question about like, what would they do when they, when they flattened it out, which everybody was, was doing because of iOS 7. Yeah. And I remember there was so many like fun interactions in that. And even it occurred to me the other day, like I think when I was using Slack or something, every image view these days, like if it doesn't do the like, like to dismiss a photo, you flick it and it like rotates around and follows your finger. I remember Tweetbot 4, I think it was, or 3 was the first one to like that
0: did that version of the image viewer. Yeah. And There was like lots of touches in it, like that, that really excited me. But yeah, those things are those things are so pretty nice, and they've and yeah, I definitely want to see them everywhere. But even so, Unread has the sloppy swiping where you can swipe anywhere and dismiss the screen. And now, few enough apps do that that I've learned to just use the proper edge gesture, which is way less nice. But I find even mm. in apps where they have tried to do a nicer thing. I just default to the built-in behavior.
1: Mm, yeah, and we
0: have that like sloppy
1: swiping in Castro kind of way, yeah. by default, right? But because it's always felt so much nicer to us, but it does come at a cost of like other interactions that can happen. And Unread had another way of dealing with those things.
0: Yeah, to put an overall structure on this idea, I think that it's been established what... I think the interactions have been established. You know what to expect from your users or they know what to expect from certain apps. And if you go outside that, it's... It seems like there's less scope for experimenting or doing something new and having people be delighted that they've discovered some new interaction.
1: I guess one area where it feels like there is new stuff going on, and this kind of comes down to like the system answering some of the questions, but also Apple like opening up the system in new ways to, to different apps, is like with the different APIs, like that apps get now integrated into the Messages app, into Siri, into Maps even. Spotlight. Spotlight, yeah. Today, widgets are more front and center now than they, than they were before. And they're integrated into like 3D touch on icons. I don't know. There's like so many different places where you get a glimpse into the app. And I guess that's where it feels like new stuff is happening, like with these system integrations rather than an app developer, an app designer, like coming up with a whole new paradigm for how you're going to interact interact with their app just in its own silo.
0: Like that all, that stuff all seems kind of hacky from this perspective to me. That it's like, when I think of an app, it's like, I'm pressing a button on my phone and now my phone is turning into that app. Uh, At least that's how it used to be. And now it's like we're trying to, all these extra things are trying to break out of that previous metaphor that no longer really works because we need to interact with different parts of the system to do interesting things. Yeah, maybe just a rethinking of what an app is Mm -hmm. needs to happen somehow. Or like that fundamental user interface of the springboard, the home screen with like different apps that turn your phone into that app. Maybe that's no longer really the right way to think about them.
1: Well, I mean, of all those interactions, those new types of interactions that I mentioned, I guess Siri and like that API integration is the most potentially forward looking in the sense of like if things were going to go completely that direction, like you can imagine like say Google and Amazon already have their like standalone devices where which are just voice oriented. Um, that like if apps on iOS start being focused more around voice that could like open the door to other types of devices or to just a primarily voice driven um, experience.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Usually, sci fi movies are somewhat, you know, things that happen in sci fi movies. I don't know if they're predictive or if it's like self-fulfilling. But when you see something in S- Star Trek in 1995, they have iPads, basically. And they're, like a computer back then was this huge giant thing you put on a desk. Mm. And now we have iPads that are actually way nicer than the things they have. <laughs> yeah, I watched 2001 recently. And I mean, there's obviously a whole lot of that going on there as well. <laughs> yeah, probably the most relevant one to nowadays is Her, where this. Mm. It's just an AI that you're talking to over an earpiece. You don't even have an interface really, which, and when, so when people get excited about that future, I find it really hard to imagine interacting with a computer um, to get any of the kinds of things I do today done over voice because voice is, well, even even when Siri worked perfectly, it's still usually kind of slow to get the thing done mm. versus just sitting at a keyboard or clicking a mouse and just doing it yourself. Um, but maybe it can evolve to a state where I'm, the types of things i want to do on my computer like writing a computer program or an email or like looking looking up directions to somewhere that ai can be more predictive about what i'm going to do like i've walked out of the house and i want directions and that it can know where i want to go already so i don't need to go and type in the address so so maybe there's like a whole extra layer there of something that I'm missing, where that that user interface would be great for most of the time.
1: Yeah, I think, for example, like, say, a podcast app that was going to be driven by voice. Like, I don't think it's so much that, like, we would design an app, say, like Castro 2, that's, like, designed visually, and that then you just, like, hook on a voice interaction at the end. Like, I think there's so many different parts of that that you would want to, like, reimagine for,
0: like, how do you deal with this in a voice-driven world? Oh, that's really interesting. So we've talked a little bit In private, about how we would integrate Siri if it adds. Like at the moment, Siri doesn't have an audio control domain, so we can't. There's not really much we can do with Castro and Siri, but it seems pretty obvious that they're going to expand that out over the next few years. Mm. And so we've had some good ideas about how we would integrate Siri with um, with Castro, but I never thought about what what you just said there of like, what if the entire app was made that way yeah. rather than it yeah. being tacked on at the end. What do you think would be different? It's hard to tell really but like if I just came up with this like right this second so <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I think there would have to be a lot more like intuition around mm. guessing what was going to be relevant to a user um, there wouldn't be so much like visual organization of content and like making decisions based on reading descriptions and that kind of stuff for example like if you wanted to try our stuff mm. I guess maybe stuff like that could be done like more in a conversational kind of thing that like learns over time, like Siri says like, oh, what about this? You might like this. And you're like, nah, I'm not really into that kind of thing. Maybe something more funny. And then... Hmm the app comes up with some more suggestions like that and eventually over time it starts figuring out what you want, where.
0: Right. Yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, I can't imagine it reading out a list of your subscriptions to you or <laughs> anything like that.
1: Yeah, I've tried that sometimes like when a few messages come in on the phone and you say to Siri, Siri, like, oh, can you read those notifications? And like even after, by the time this gotten through the first message, I've just like faded out. Um, <laughs> like, I, like I just can't pay attention that much to like content being read to me that way by computer voice. Maybe as the voice improves, I guess that could make a difference as well. Mm,
0: yeah. Maybe. I think with so actually Siri's been talked about a lot this week, um, because there was I think there was a big Walt Mosberg piece about Siri not being so great and Google and Amazon getting ahead of them. I mean I've had a few thoughts about how Siri could be a bit better, but I actually just
1: figured out the future of podcasting right now. <laughs> <laughs> there are no podcasts. <laughs> It's just Siri and Siri and her friends and you just Siri learns how you are entertained and Siri and her friends record like a bespoke podcast just for your ears. No, nobody hears the same content (laughs) (laughs) and it reinforces like exactly what you need to hear to feel good about your decisions in life and your place in the world. Man,
0: that's so good. That's exactly what everything I listen to does at the moment, but they're not as good at it as a computer could be.
1: It confronts you just enough that like you don't feel sort of you don't feel like you're just completely settling into accepting everything. You feel like you're yes, my brain is definitely being stimulated, I'm definitely learning new things, but I still feel super comfortable in my place in the world and I I don't have to change too much. If we, if we can make that, I
0: think, change the human race. Okay, hold on. File new
1: project. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't what Walt Mossberg was suggesting, I guess.
0: No, sadly, sadly not. <laughs> yeah, it was just a... Like, I think it's definitely fair enough to say that Apple had a huge lead in of like AI assistants or voice assistants or whatever the category is called. And then now it's five years later and it doesn't seem like they've done too much with that lead. Yeah, no, definitely. Julian Lipinski had a blog post about some of his thoughts on the Siri thing. And he was comparing it to how like touch screens before the iPhone were really slow and the latency of them taking so long to react to what you did broke the illusion of you like moving a thing onto some glass. Mm but part of the magic of the iPhone was that they got that down to be so so fast that we're able to suspend our, suspend our disbelief and really feel like we're interacting with things because Siri makes so many mistakes or like doesn't get doesn't get many of even the the obscure questions right or like the timely ones that that breaks the illusion and makes us think oh I'm just talking to a computer. Mm. There are probably a bunch of UI style things they could do to help trick us into believing that it's more of a real working thing like if it doesn't get the answer don't just Offer to Google it, or don't say I don't know what you're talking about. Like, try to hone in, try to hone in on it a little bit, and say like, "Oh, are you talking about sports? Are you talking about movies?" And then like, you can resolve down to a smaller set of questions to answer.
1: Yeah, and Julian's comparison was like with the checkerboard thing that Apple did in Safari on the original iPhone, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah, that was a really. Like that was one of the greatest things in Safari was like they emphasize or like the original iPhone is they realized the important thing was to make maintain this magical world (laughs) and it didn't really matter if the content took an extra you know half a second to render. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, some of that kind of thinking I think on Siri like a bunch of it's not even like, oh, I need you to go and invent a better AI so that Siri can be better. It's like, why don't you just start using a bunch of magic tricks to make us think that it's working better?
1: Yeah, come up with the
0: checker, the checkerboard
1: uh, equivalent for voice. <laughs> yeah. I tried to make what was surely going to be a hilarious joke on Twitter the other day, but I had to delete my tweet when I accidentally posted your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I, there was two questions. What age is Podrig and how old is Podrig? Mm-hmm. And for one of them, it would give me your age and for the other one it would give me like the age of Padraig Harrington who's like a professional golfer from Ireland (laughs) right I'm trying to understand like what happens inside in Syria where it's like between those questions
0: one of them leads to a sports personality and one of them leads to you (laughs) like there's a whole sequence of problems they're trying to solve and they have to like each step of the sequence has to end up with the right answer or else the overall thing will just seem like stupid it has to be able to transcribe the voice with basically any accent on earth perfectly. And it's, it's surprisingly good at that, I find. Mm. Like, I I don't have a standard North American accent, I don't think, and it still often gets the transcription part right. Like, it's, it understands, like, can transcribe my voice into text. And then the part where it like has to take that text and turn it into something meaningful. Okay, that's probably quite hard.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, it's crazy hard. Um, I mean, it's easy. I make fun of it. At the same time, it's like a, it's a it's a problem domain where I personally don't have any idea how I would even, how to even approach something like that. So, I mean, it's way, I mean, like I call myself a software developer, but something like that is like way out of my domain to the point of, I mean, complete ignorance essentially as to like how to go about building something like that.
0: Sure, but as users, we can still, or like as designers of software, we can still comment on like how it might work. Mm. But as
1: developers of the future of podcasting, where Siri reads everything to us, what what do I need to do? How do I get there?
0: <laughs> well, one thought I've had about Siri, and this, I don't, I think this is like a compromise or it's like giving up on the future or something. And maybe this is why no one wants to do it. But since it can do the transcription properly, and since there are, like it has a whole, bunch of features it can perform when asked the question in exactly the format it expects Okay, I'm going to go on a tangent and then come back to it one of the things computers used to try to do is uh, handwriting recognition Hmm. and I remember I had one of those Palm OS devices years ago, like way before WebOS I don't know why I had it, but I think I just like computer-y stuff. So it was just, it would have all your contacts in it and calendar stuff and have a dictionary and one or two games, I think. Um, but it had its own, like it had a little touchscreen thing and you used a stylus with it. And it had its own character set that you learned and then you could write into it. So like an A was like an upside down V. And once you got proficient at that, you could type words in relatively quickly So coming back to Siri, I wouldn't mind right now if there was just a set of things I had to learn and then I was able to use the tool. Like I don't really care about it being this all knowing intelligent AI and being convinced of that illusion. And if there were established questions and formats for how you're supposed to ask things that I could learn, maybe I would actually use it more. And that that just seems like such a disappointment compared to like this illusion of a person you're talking to who can understand what you're saying, but they're not succeeding with that. So it just means I never use it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Apple definitely has like the grander vision that they're working towards. Mm. I guess Amazon Echo is more along the lines of what you're describing, right? Or at least from what I've heard about it, I've never used one. Have you tried one out? Uh, No, I haven't actually. Yeah, because I think that's more like, Yeah, you have to learn, like it's more specific commands because of that, their developer API. I mean, I think it's like much easier for developers to like create and I think they're called like Echo, Amazon Echo Intents or something like that. Okay. And yeah, it's very specific commands, like more, I guess, command line voice driven type of stuff. But by like foregoing like that grand ambition of this is a person that you're talking to. Mm hmm they've been able to get a lot more apps integrated quicker. And from what I've heard on a few podcasts, it seems to like people that have them in their houses are like very happy with
0: them. Yeah. Some people say. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a thing you can use then, right? Like you can learn how to work it and you can work it. (laughs) Yeah. Where like it's just, it's too easy to pull out your phone and set up a comic failure of Siri. The one I tweeted initially that I think you were replying to. Yeah, there was an age one that I was replying to. So I had asked, who is the Prime Minister of Canada? And it said, correctly, Justin Trudeau. I think with the help of Wolfram Alpha, for some reason. (laughs) Um, But it said, Justin Trudeau. And I was like, okay, cool. And then as a follow-up question, I asked, what age is he? And then it completely lost the context in between the two questions and and decided to answer a question about a Chinese baseball player, I think. His name was He. And it was just so random and out of, like disconnected from anything I've ever asked it.
1: Yeah, there's a heavy leaning towards sports personalities here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it seems to know about sports. And then, yeah, the debate, the presidential debate question was the other one that everyone was trying, and it was doing poorly at. We eventually got it to give us the correct answer, figured out the way it wanted to be asked, um, and then it gave me the answer in Eastern time, and I'm in Vancouver, which is Pacific time. Hmm. That's something you could improve without having to invent AI. (laughs) I think there are a bunch of user interface things, too, that could make it more straightforward. Like, I don't know when it's listening. It starts that waveform thing, but usually that animation starts a few sec, like half a second after it's really started listening. Mm. So I press the button and then I'm waiting. Because if you wait too long, it thinks you haven't, or sorry, if you have any kind of pause as well, it'll just finish. Is there a sound effect? I think I turned off a sound effect because it used to annoy me. Yeah, there's a sound effect, but that happens, like it starts listening before the sound effect happens, I think. Okay. Um, but I think, I think that whole thing could be made clearer. I can see that it's like trying to activate itself, but just has more work to do. Um, and I don't know if I could start talking then yet. The watch is even worse because I hold up my watch and I start saying, hey Siri. And it, I know that it starts listening very soon after I say, hey Siri, but nothing on the screen changes until like a second later, but it'll pick up the voice. So there's a whole learning curve there where I have to, like, it feels like there's a perfect time that you have to drop your speech in and then it might catch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't use it. I think
1: I think just too many experiences where it just didn't do quite the right thing, or somebody looked at me strange because I said something <laughs> <laughs> in public to my phone. Um, I guess that side of things will guess like there's an angle there to focus on, like like the social norms of speaking to your phone or to your watch or to your earpiece or or whatever. Mm. I guess a tangent on that as well. Like I always remember, I'm not sure what year it would have been, but like I was, I guess it was in the 90s at some stage, way before mobile phones were really popular. But my dad had one for his work and it was like this giant brick of a thing. I was living in Limerick City in Ireland at the time. And nobody really had mobile phones. And I remember I used to get so embarrassed if my dad ever spoke on the phone in public (laughs) because I was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe he's doing this to me. (laughs) Um, Because clearly like drew some attention or it seemed strange. Um, And I was like a kid or a young teenager and I didn't want, I mean, I didn't want to be strange in any way, I wanted to just fit in. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's kind of how I
0: feel like maybe about like some of the voice command stuff at this stage. But all that can be that can be overcome. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Like walking down the street holding my watch up to my face and talking into it is not a thing that I do. <laughs> mm. So if Siri like interfaces are the future, I could really imagine it being one first party locked in ecosystem. Like that Apple just releases, they release a new device that doesn't have an app store and doesn't have third party developers, but it's like a Siri thing, and then apps aren't really apps don't really have a place in it or Third-party integration is just like plugging something into Siri. Say that happens in ten years, and we've we've made a few apps, <laughs> and then apps are over. What, what would we do? Like, what kind of projects would we be working on? I can only start by ruling things out. I know what I I know things I've done before
1: that I don't want to do anymore. Okay, so I guess I started work as a web developer. Yeah. Um and we still do I still do work on like some like our marketing websites and things like that from time to time, but I
0: definitely would not want to return to doing client web work. How about you? You mean like front end websites for like a coffee shop or something yeah I, I started off doing that too and it's not where I want to be I just spent the weekend in the woods and I, I could become a carpenter <laughs>
1: <laughs> I actually have had this like daydream for a while of like um, of making stuff out of like of making a tree house or something hmm. or a table or It's kind of an odd, it's not an odd thing to want to do, but for me, it's like such a uh, deviation from what I've usually been interested in. I did do woodwork for a while in school and I made like the worst ever constructed stool in history. So anybody who ever tried to sit on my transition year stool would not not be advocating for me becoming a carpenter. But (laughs) there's something I think about the idea of doing something with my hands or something like not the computer. That's pretty exciting to me.
0: As like a long term thing that you'd want to do for for ages, or just as it'd be fun to make a table?
1: Oh, it's probably it's probably just a daydream. It's I I it, I think I should just take up a hobby. But in in this post, I mean in this post Apple world, I might just have to turn my carpentry hobby into whatever I can do to get by. You know,
0: <laughs> one more hobby turned into a business. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it for years. I'll just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I get excited by the more leading edge, futuristic stuff in computers like VR. The Microsoft HoloLens thing looked really cool Um, and I signed up to get a developer pack for it and then they emailed me and I can't remember what the number was but it was like maybe $5,000 to get the set. And I was like, okay, that's no, that's not going to happen. But it's still, it's kind of interesting. Um, Seems like there's some there's some cool stuff there, and there's like a new a new world of user interface and interaction that has to be figured out and that's maybe what I enjoy doing on the Apple platforms at the moment, and maybe what I'm feeling yeah, I think I feel like there's less of less scope for that nowadays, so it would be kind of interesting to like have a whole new land to figure out. <laughs> Sometimes I get excited about media stuff as well. I mean no doubt we are professional podcasters
1: and all that. <laughs> um but on a, on a more serious level I guess Mike started Mike Hurley started mm-hmm. his YouTube channel um a week or two ago. Yeah, I saw that. That's really interesting. And I've been like getting like more and more fascinated by YouTube lately and I watch like I watch woodworking videos to bring it back to carpentry and I like I watch all sorts <laughs> of like I subscribe to channels and stuff and so which is all like new to me this year really. I sound like I'm not sure if I sound really young or really old (laughs) I guess old Um, but yeah so Mike started his YouTube channel and that seems interesting to me in the sense that it's like it's such a different like obviously he's been a podcaster for years and he's built an audience there and he has his different niches and a different type of content that he produces there and then YouTube is this whole other like type of media enterprise Um, obviously it's video instead of just audio but even just the type of content and like the ways that people engage like with comments and with a back and forth between the comments.
0: And yeah, the comment, I mean, YouTube comments are stereotypically the worst thing in the internet, but I looked at the comments for one of Mike's videos and it actually seemed like a nice back and forth.
1: Yeah, and I've seen that on a bunch of channels. Like, like I think, yeah, on certain videos, obviously they're pretty ugly, but I've seen a bunch of people who've been able to, like, foster different communities and, like, build, re- like, relationships with lots of people. And I think there's, like, a voting system in the comments that seems... At least on like some of the channels I subscribe to, to be working and to like help like keep a good conversation going in those comments, which was a surprise to me because I just always had that idea in my head that like oh yeah, never read the comments.
0: So, what would your YouTube channel
1: be? <laughs> um, I'm not sure exactly I mean I guess one thing Is that I mean I've been like In a way at least Traveling around the world For like two years now Mm -hmm. And and, yeah in a sense I guess each few months Like I'm in a different country Or different city um, And I do experience that But like it's In a way Sometimes I feel like I've kind of sheltered myself From it a little bit as well Because of like The type of work I do And the fact that um, Like whether I'm in Istanbul Or Lviv Or here in Sarajevo Like I spend Most of my weekdays At least like At my computer Working on the projects, up working on Castro or on Red or whatever. Mm. Um, so it would be something kind of cool if, like, to about like if if I could create some like media stuff like around traveling and like use that as a way to help me like engage more with like the places I go. If I could do that professionally,
0: mm. oh, that could be cool.
1: This is so not like a plan of mine at all, but it's just, like. <laughs> <laughs> These daydreams are kind of interesting sometimes, even just in terms of like figuring out maybe some like small imbalances that I could rectify in small ways that aren't as like um aren't as severe as like changing my career and becoming a YouTuber. <laughs> but like yeah, like it does make it does like bring to mind that like oh I would like to do like something like to address the fact that sometimes I feel like even though I'm traveling a lot and living in different cities that I'm not always like engaging with the places where I am, like in the to the max to the max sounds like so. I don't... <laughs> um, like, to the fullest of, of what I could be. Like, that, maybe there's stuff that I'm missing out on. It's been a good couple of
0: years. Yeah. Sometimes I think about trying to do something more, like, in line with some political cause or make the world a better place, that kind of stuff. And, like, the first place to go with that is, okay, how can I use the skills I have to do that? Like, how can apps cure this bad thing? Mm-hmm. And, like, more and more I think they can't. I think that's just not what apps are do <laughs> like there? are probably i'm sure there. there's always going to be an element of technology in any social change now but that's not it's not like you're going to make an app that fixes a thing
1: yeah it's like it would be part of like a like that you would spend most of your time doing other stuff and then like an app could be part of it
0: yeah yeah definitely and then when i think about just going full-on into something else like whether it's a cause or just a different career altogether i always get this feeling of like wasted time potential or guilt or something that like i've done computers for long enough that i have these skills and experience and it'd be so like just start the idea of starting again i guess it's kind of scary too yeah of course but like to be in a completely different area and just be like oh yeah the last 15 years of messing around with computers and learning how to do it professionally that's like not a part of my day at all i feel like i shouldn't let myself be bound by that like just because you've been Just because you've been, you know, a baker up till now doesn't mean you have to stay being a baker. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think there's something to like
1: not being afraid to like leave some things aside and take up something new. Um, Like one of the things that fascinated me about Mike starting that YouTube channel is the like how different it is to podcasting. And I guess in a sense there's like some crossover there, Mm. Um, like there's some skills that he can use from each and it's not like one, like a hundred percent completely world, but like there's enough differences there that I think it must feel like a very different challenge to Mike and like a very different thing to be setting out on. Actually, I'm going to Ul conference in Ireland next month, and Mike's going to be there. So oh yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I'm looking forward to chatting to him about
0: some of that YouTube stuff there. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, that that is kind of good as maybe a way to transition into something new, but there's still like it's a good trajectory to have been a podcaster for a while. Like he'll have the confidence to be able to just talk at a camera maybe <laughs> this I wouldn't have if I was starting from nowhere.
1: Mm. There's probably like some kind of audience crossover that kind of helps get started and feel like you're not completely starting from, from zero again.
0: Yeah. Video definitely feels like a different world to me altogether. Like I hate... If I'm trying to look something up online and I find a video of how to do the thing versus like a picture and some words, um, I hate it. Like, even if it's 20 seconds, I really hate the idea that I have to sit there and watch a video. I think it's that I have no confidence that it's going
1: to be like concise enough to get to the point. Mm. Like, I've definitely looked looked stuff up and found videos and been like glad that it was in video form. But yeah, when I see like the thumbnail with the triangle in the middle, I just think I get scared. Like, I just have a fear of like, okay, am I going to go down a rabbit hole here if I click this
0: thing? Yeah, if it's like two minutes and 51 seconds, you know that the first two minutes of that are going to be the person introducing themselves and talking about things around the idea when you already just want to get to the answer it's easier to scan text of course as well which kind of helps
1: you like get an idea very quickly if it's going to if it addresses what you need and then you can delve in deeper but i
0: I mentioned that because i think there's maybe it's a generational thing where like i never was really into youtube and like i find the idea of like watching a youtube video and then seeing another one come up and following that and watching that one and like just exploring through that like that's that's not my idea of fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But I know like tons of people do that. And obviously, actually, one idea about podcasting that I remember talking about with you ages ago was basically all of these people who want to make, want to like share some content or like tell other people about what's going on in their lives. They, most of them don't have podcasts, like particularly anyone outside any kind of a radio background, many of them don't have podcasts. Um, And I think most of them went into making YouTube videos, like that energy to like, okay, I have a computer now with a camera, and I want to share what's going on in my life. The first place people stop isn't podcast, like way more logical place to go is YouTube video. Mm. I think it's, it's kind of interesting as a way in the context of thinking about the future of podcasting, or what it should become, or what it could become.
1: Yeah, to go back to like that idea that I was talking about, like if I was going to make YouTube videos or whatever, the idea of like, perhaps it could be like a travel element to that. Like link it into the places that I go. Like in the past week, when I just had a little daydream about it. Like, okay, would it be would it be YouTube or would it be a podcast? I'm sure there's bunches of YouTubes, bunches of YouTubes that can be the name of the episode. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of YouTube channels about traveling around, and I know there's a bunch of podcasts about it as well. But I don't listen to them or watch them. I'm too busy with my. Mm woodworking
0: videos yeah (laughs) yeah another thing about youtube is like the audience is there i I don't know the numbers but there are i can say with (laughs) with all the knowledge of somebody who just has has an opinion about something um there are way more people watching youtube than there are listening to podcasts
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, in I mean, in the podcast world, I think, for example, like, I mean, if somebody had 100,000 subscribers, that would be considered like a pretty big, not, not a huge like show, but like big in terms of like, you could get pretty decent advertising rates on it. I think people would reach that amount and be like, okay, this is like, this is pretty serious enterprise now. Mm-hmm. Whereas on YouTube, I think the, like, the bar is much higher in terms of like, people are wanting to reach like million a million or more subscribers before they're considered
0: like... Mm. But is subscribing lower cost there? Like if you subscribe, you don't have to watch every episode or like doesn't get in your way so much. Yeah, the interface for subscribing,
1: I guess because I'm coming at it from podcasting, I kind of want it to work a little bit more like the way it does with podcasting. I kind of have to like wrestle to like find the videos even of shows that I've subscribed to. Um, I mean, there is an interface to get to them. They're in there, but it's not like in a podcast app where it's front and center. Here's your, oh, we should make a YouTube app that works like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is there an API? Like, would we be allowed? I think there's an API, but I have no idea what the terms are. Yeah, we should look at that because like Castro... Castro 2 style YouTube stuff would definitely appeal to me.
1: It's kind of interesting though, because like some people write to us every once in a while and ask us for like video podcast support in Castro, which is something that we haven't gotten to because largely I think because, I mean, an app that's designed around audio, there's so many different complexities to then make and video work in that context and like feel as natural a part of that flow as the audio does. Hmm. Like, I think there's ways that it could be done, but it's like a battle, I think, between having audio content and video content and, and both of them feeling native to the platform. Um,
0: but also I think video podcasts haven't taken off in the way that YouTube has. Mm. The number of requests we've had for video is way, way less than the number of requests we've had for, like, silence removal, CarPlay or anything like that. So I, I don't think people are even really looking for video in their podcast apps for the most, I know some people are, but yeah. personally, I, I okay, I don't watch a lot of videos, so maybe, um, this is maybe not that insightful, but I think an app designed specifically for video podcasts could be interesting. And that's maybe more what I'd want as a user of that than like, oh, this is tacked onto my podcast app. And if I tap on it, it's gonna take over the whole screen with the video.
1: Yeah, I think that you could come up with like interesting ideas around that. Yeah, If it was a YouTube app as well, I mean, I guess that interests me. Like it's not an, not an idea I've thought about before this conversation, but like at the moment it seems kind of like a potentially exciting idea. I'm not sure if it, like, makes any sense, like, business-wise. Like, is anybody other than me who's watching YouTube wishing there was, like, a different app to watch YouTube in? Probably not.
0: (laughs) Just on the video podcast compared to YouTube comparison, I think YouTube is maybe a big reason why video podcasts aren't a thing. Oh, I think so. Completely, yeah. Yeah. Like, why would you make a video podcast instead of a YouTube channel? Yeah, completely. Um, Especially when the apps don't even support it. (laughs) Some good circular logic there.
1: Join us next week for the first video episode.
0: (laughs) Oh no, that's never happening. Okay, one more
1: thing then, I guess, just based on what you just said, like before we wrap it up. Um, So we talked before about like why it took us two years to make Castro 2, but why did it take us so long to finally make a podcast?
0: Okay, well, some of it is shyness. I don't think that accounts for all of why we haven't done it yet or hadn't done it until now. Some was definitely feeling like I don't, Uh, okay you listen to more tech podcasts than i do i've kind of fallen out of like i go through phases but at the moment i'm in a no tech podcast phase Mm -hmm. yeah i've been going that direction too (laughs) i stopped listening to many tech tech podcasts because i felt like well i don't know why but i felt like i didn't want to have one because i didn't have something new to say that would be worthwhile um, that was my legitimate sounding excuse, anyway, at the time. I think in
1: some way we built it up, even to be. I mean, I guess it's easy to say this after, like, now we've started and we're, I guess, in a, some sense on a roll where, like, we're we're like regularly releasing episodes every two weeks. Um, so you get some momentum there, and it starts feeling like, oh, this was easy. I should we should have just been doing it all the time. Um, mm-hmm. but I know there was a point where we had definitely built it up to where it was like we were making it into like a bigger production. Remember at some stage we talked about how we should like make a podcast that's all about the development of Castro 2. Yeah. And it was going to be like six parts and like each episode was going to be very highly themed and produced and like scripted and edited. And I mean, we do put a decent amount of work into the editing of this, but not like on the scale of like what our first podcast idea was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember having ideas like that we'd almost make it a fictional or like have like a dramatized story around some of the stuff. Um, And yeah, that was like a huge thing, too. And that was, Mm. yeah, maybe we make things bigger than or like make things harder for ourselves by imagining like extreme versions of them. And when we did make this one in the end, I think we just decided a day or two before and then just did it to see how it would turn out. Yeah. But it was after a few false starts where we'd agreed that we ought to make a podcast, but hadn't mm. got around to it. It could be fun to like try out some of those other ideas,
1: like even like just for an episode or something like that. Like we've already. So, I mean, mostly obviously it's just me and you talking on this podcast, but we've done a couple of interviews like with Brent and with Jared, um, Yeah, like there could be other ideas around podcasting that it could be just fun for us to like try out for an episode and see how it goes. Like now that there's like a venue where we have to like publish it and not get too hung up on it and just be like, oh, okay. Let's let's try this for an episode or try that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So what are we going to do next week? This or that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> we when I was hidden up there in the woods, I read some I read some articles and started like writing formulating some notes on an idea for another episode, but um it's going to take a little bit more time to get into shape. <laughs> but maybe we can talk about some of those ideas that came from the woods next time sounds good (laughs) Um, okay well thank you all for listening to this episode of the super top podcast I'm Oshin you can find me on twitter at Prendio2 that's
0: P-R-E-N-D-I-O-2 and I'm Podrig I'm on twitter as Podrig good name which is P-A-D-R-A-I-G and review us on the iTunes podcast thing please? Yes, that's store or place. Has anyone done it? I'm going to check really quickly. Really, really slowly, actually. <laughs> yeah, check. <laughs> I'm, ruining, I'm ruining the slick exit you had planned.
1: No, this is suspense. This is suspense. Okay, here we We're go. We're checking up on you guys.
0: Okay. I'm so nervous. I forget how to use iTunes. The easiest way to use iTunes is to use Google. <laughs> okay, here we go. We have one
1: review. Thank you. Name the, name the person. Four stars. Four stars. Okay, what's, what's
0: the person's name? <laughs> we need to make this five. L-D-E-P-A-D-U-A. I don't know how to say it. I don't think it's pronounceable. Okay, four. Okay, we'll take it. We'll take it. It's our first review. Yeah. No, four stars. I'm happy about it. Good insights into real world indie development. I'm going to check up on this guy and see what else he's reviewed. Oh, Release Notes gets five stars, but we only get four. Huh.
1: Okay, we're going to have to work
0: on our good insights. Yeah. This guy gives out the five
1: stars to everyone except us. Oh, no. Please, L-T-E-P-A-D-U-A. <laughs> You're our only reviewer. And we haven't even paid you for that review. <laughs> Maybe we need to pay him. <laughs>
0: okay. He's a little stricter when it comes to apps, actually. Has you rated Castro? Instagram, great, not perfect. Four stars. So we're we're good as Instagram. Instagram. Okay, that'll Okay, do. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stop complaining about the only person who's reviewed us now. No, I'm very
1: grateful for a four-star review.
0: Yeah. Was this review helpful? Yes, it was. I'm going to say yes after okay, login.
1: Oh, okay. If you don't have time to write us a review, please at least click yes. That review was helpful. And then write us a review.
2: Donald Trump says he alone can solve America's problems. At his rallies, he whips his supporters into a violent frenzy and says that people who have criticized him will suffer when he's president. Trump blacklists members of the media that write negative stories about him and says that when he's president, he'll restrict the rights of the free press. He openly calls for the U.S. to commit war crimes and says that we should torture and kill the innocent children of suspected terrorists. Regarding waterboarding, He said, Even if it doesn't work, they probably deserved it anyway. A veteran told Trump that American soldiers wouldn't follow that order. And Trump said, They're not going to refuse me. If I say do it, they're going to do it. Dictators around the world love Trump. He is praised by Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un's state-run media. Back in 1990, Trump's wife told her lawyer that he keeps a copy of Hitler's speeches by his bedside. Trump surrounds himself with yes-men, sycophants, and fools. There's nobody in Trump's inner circle that will tell him no or correct him on the facts. Now Donald Trump gets classified national security briefings and he has repeatedly asked, Why the U.S. can't use its nuclear weapons. As Americans, it is our duty to resist fascist dictators wherever they rise up in the world. This November, we are not going to elect one here. The Nuisance Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising.